Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to let me know over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com and connect with me on Instagram at MyPeaceCorpsStory and on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story. Additionally, if you've been listening to the show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and you've liked what you've heard, be sure to leave me a review. More than a five-star review, I want to know what you think. So give me those five stars and tell me a little bit about why you listen to this podcast and what you get out of it. I've had a lot of great reactions and conversations with people recently on Instagram and through the comment form on the website, and I want to keep that going. I love listening to you guys and knowing that the work that I'm doing is actually reaching people and you find value in it. This week, I have another valuable episode for the listeners of the My Peace Core Story podcast. I had an opportunity to sit down at the dining room table of Misha Robinson and talk about her journey into Peace Corps, into the corporate world, and then back to Peace Corps again. What she's currently doing with the nonprofit that she founded in South Africa and her work at the National Peace Corps Association. This is an excellent interview that I think you guys will enjoy. So without further ado, here is Misha Robinson on the My Peace Core Story podcast. This is this is this is this is my my Peace Corps Peace Corps. My Peace Corps My Peace Corps Story Story Story. My name is Misha Robinson and this is my Peace Corps Story. Hey Misha, how are you doing? I'm awesome, thank you, and yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like as soon as I like right when I was about to start talking, you just you just broke out in the laughter. You just you just sort of like had this big smile all of a sudden, like you just turned on, and I was like, okay, <laughs> well, I, I gotta turn on my my interview persona. I, I know. Okay, yeah. so I was like, okay, let me get ready. All right, I'm ready. Wait, I gotta stop laughing. Okay, let's oh, go. <laughs> okay, okay. So how are you doing? You doing good? I'm awesome. Thank you so much. Good. I'm, gl- I'm glad to, to actually learn about your Peace Corps experience because we've been uh, working, uh, starting the working relationship together for some stuff that you're doing at MPCA, but I don't know much about your Peace Corps service other than where you served and when you served. So start off by letting us know where you served in the Peace Corps and what you were doing as a volunteer. Okay, I served in Benin, um, 2000 to 2002 as a small enterprise development volunteer. Um, I worked with uh, a credit union and the thought was, um, that if we could teach people better business practices and they would, um, have a lower likelihood of defaulting on their loans. So I taught basic marketing, business account or accountability, business management classes, um, I kind of, I wanted to do a little bit more than that. Um, so I kind of ventured out as most volunteers do. And I started working with some women cooperatives and doing similar work with them. But then just, I ended up doing projects like one of the cooperatives I work with. I helped them get water because after I did 
all these training classes, they were like, well, that's great and all that you taught us how to get our product out there, but we can't grow our product because we don't have water. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also did projects like Junior Achievement as well um, in two of the high schools that were in my area. Okay. And did you come from a business finance background before going into Peace Corps and Benin? So I finished undergrad and my major was um, business administration, but I'd only worked for a year before doing Peace Corps and I did um, conference management down in Atlanta. Okay. And then you, in your service in Benin, you have a, about a 10 year career and then you decided to do Peace Corps response in South Africa. Yes. (laughs) So, um, you know, after I finished my first Peace Corps service, I came back, worked for a little bit, um, and then I went and got my MBA from NYU um, and went into brand management. So I was working for Campbell Soup for about four and a half years. And I just, you know, I had felt it earlier, and we were talking before we started the conversation about turning 30 and sort of looking around and reassessing your life. And, you know, you realize, and I think a lot of my friends realize it too, like, you acquired what you wanted in sort of your 20s or in your teens. So I had the job and the degree, you know, the income I wanted, but... There, I was just dissatisfied. I was unhappy. I honestly was miserable. And so I started like right around maybe like 31, sort of just financially, mentally, spiritually, et cetera, kind of assessing my life. And in that sort of phase of discovery, I was like, I... I, I'm not fulfilling my purpose. I want to do something more than kind of wake, making wealthy people wealthier. Like the amount of stress and hours I was putting in to eke out another point of margin <laughs> to, mm-hmm. another, you know, another share point, et cetera. It just didn't make sense to me. And I kept like thinking back to my experience in Peace Corps. And I actually went to a wedding um, for a friend of mine in Nigeria And after the wedding, um, I went back to Benin to visit. And so it was in that, and and I'm a spiritual person, and I remember praying on the beach and asking God, like, just like, what, I surrender, like, what would you have me to do? And he said, go on a trip around the world. And I was like, God, I don't have any money. Like, (laughs) And I got that good MBA debt. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you remember that, what we did a couple years ago. But um, the finances came to... um, finance my trip and also to pay on my loans while I was gone, um, to pay down my debt, et cetera. And so I ended up taking a year and a half off to originally do a trip around the world. And so, you know, coming from sort of this professional career, I was like, I need something on my resume. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, and I had a friend that worked for Response and she had told me about it. And I was like, okay, this is a great way to redo my Peace Corps experience because I felt like I knew so much more than I did when I did it the first time. Um, And I just wanted to give in a different sort of way. So I applied to a position that was like a month long in the Virgin Islands. um, And then I was going to do my trip around the world. Um, I ended up doing nine months in South Africa and then traveling for two months. Um, But it it all worked out. And I think really kind of, I started off really in prayer of like, God, what is my purpose? And through that experience, especially in South Africa and in my travels afterwards, um, I really got the answer to that question. And what were you doing in South Africa as a response volunteer? So I was working with Special Olympics. Um, they were doing a regional tournament. Um, they were preparing for a Special Olympics version of the World Cup in Brazil. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so this was in 2012. And so they were bringing all, um, a bunch of the teams together across Africa to compete in South Africa to pick the teams that would represent the Africa region in that game. And so I was helping them in a marketing capacity to promote the event, not only across the region, um, region being Africa, but also within the community that was hosting the event. So I was living in the Royal Buffett King Nation and that's where the event was being held. And um, a lot of what I did was outreach and education on who is Special Olympics, and that helped um, to recruit volunteers. And then what I also ended up doing, um, kind of, again, as a Peace Corps volunteer, we do these other projects. Um, I started youth clubs to teach youth tolerance and inclusion because part of the thinking was like, you can't bring an event to a community that doesn't respect the community that the event is being held for. Mm -hmm. And so this was a way of sort of teaching the youth to be the microphone to really educate the community on what is intellectual disabilities and sort of what is the purpose of this event and why this community should be respected. Mm -hmm. And I guess one of the ideas of response is that you come having previously done Peace Corps or with a lot of work experience that you can use in a, in a very focused way. Do you feel that you were more effective as a volunteer in those nine months versus your two years in Benin? Or is it just completely different? There's just no sort of comparison of sort of saying that I was a maybe a more effective volunteer? Um, I don't know if I would say more effective per se, but I think it's, it's a definitely a different experience, but you come in with a very focused, like, this is what you're going to do. And I think to your point about skill set, like I, I had a strong marketing background, like mm -hmm. I was able, and I think, yeah, actually now I think about it, in nine months, what I accomplished compared to what I accomplished in two years probably was a little bit more impactful, but in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I did things like I created a toolkit for Special Olympics. I trained people in social media. I did their social media for them for a year. I did, you know, these youth clubs. I did, um, I organized a youth conference for like 100 people. So I think in some regards to do all of that in nine months is a lot where I, I wasn't sort of in my first experience in Peace Corps, that first couple months you're there, or maybe a lot of times that first six months you're there, you're just sort of getting acclimated. Whereas in this, um, as a response volunteer, I didn't have that time. So I did spend a lot of time just walking and talking and getting to know the community. But, you know, when I got to my community, I didn't know how to even take transportation by myself. I didn't have any of that kind of training. I just had to figure it out. But because of my first Peace Corps experience, I sort of had the understanding of how to at least figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just very different of sort of you just hit the ground running. I know what I'm here to do. I'm going to get it done and then sort of see what else I can contribute to from there. Mm -hmm. So you do the Peace Corps response. That's 2012. I know what position you started in 2017. So that, that five years. So you've gone on this sort of journey to figure out. What do I want to do? I don't want to keep making rich people richer. Uh, so where do we go? I got these lovely. Oh, and now it's passed. <laughs> that was an ambulance, everybody uh, passing in front of uh, Misha's house. Uh, so what 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 happens in those five years then post response as you're trying to figure out this next chapter in your life? Yeah. So um, I think, you know. One, I'd like to say, like, when I left uh, South Africa, like, I traveled for two months, you know, across Africa, Middle East, and Southeast Asia. But all throughout that experience, I'm literally, everybody I'm talking to and meeting, I'm like, what's your purpose? How did you figure out what it was? Like, mm -hmm. and asking people how they just navigated whatever it is they're doing, especially, you know, when you're backpacking, you're meeting people that have, you know, gone the path less wandered. 
Um, but I came back and I, I took a position back in my kind of corporate brand management. And I think it, it, I, that time I was like, I'm done. And I was torn. I remember one night being in the office with my boss and I was living in North Jersey then and trying to work on financials um, for, I was in innovation um, and, and I wanted the promotion. I was in innovation, developing a new product and I had to put the financials together for for some board, for a board meeting or something. And just like really like almost being in tears because I just did not have it in me anymore. And just feeling like, like cool work. And I liked it from an intellectual capacity, but I was like, my heart is just not in this anymore. Um, and so... I think it was at that point, and I kind of, there were some experiences I had from my first service that really just, you know, um, I think being in Benin where the slave trade started and being a black American there and having people come up to you and say like, oh, I didn't know there are black people in America. And you're like, well, you guys kind of sent us over there, you know, mm-hmm. in some regards, you know, I actually went to a reconciliation conference during my service or, you know, I'm light skinned. So people saying like, oh, well, one of your parents is black American. So the other one has to be white, like you're Matisse and like, no, 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 there are just black people in America or having one of my, my next door neighbor telling me like, well, I wish my, um, you know, ancestors would have been slaves. So then that way I could have been American, you know, just things like that. Or even when I was, and I know this isn't directly answer your question, sorry, but even when I was in I the like States where it's going, and getting, so it's interesting. yeah, getting to before I left and hearing some, and this is years ago, I think we're in a different place as far as our understanding of Africa, but you know, um, going to a historically black college and having some of my friends just hearing their statements and sort of their feelings about going to Africa and sort of why you're doing it. It's a waste of your time, you know, those sort of thoughts. And so that experience made me want to do something to really sort of connect youth across the diaspora and just also really realizing that the the experiences that the youth in my village in Benin were experiencing were very similar, or the challenges, sorry, were very similar to what youth sort of in D.C. or any other inner city neighborhood were experiencing as well. And then fast forward to South Africa, you know, doing the youth clubs through Special Olympics, it just really kind of reminded me of that feeling of what I wanted to do. And then just seeing sort of these youth that just had so much potential and so much promise and just their challenge that they were experiencing trying to realize their dreams. I felt like they knew what they wanted to do. It was off on the horizon. There was this huge abyss in the middle that they didn't know how to navigate to get there. And so when I got back to the States and I was in that job that I kind of was really like, my soul's not here. I was like, I got to do this and I want to do something to help the youth. And I really felt like God said, you asked me what your purpose is, go help these kids. And again, I was like, but God, I don't know anything about any mm-hmm. kids. But um I'll kind of go a little faster, but my I, my brother ended up, he got sick. And so I ended up quitting my job to move back to D.C. to help out with my family. Um, and then as part of that, um, I actually had an opportunity to go back to South Africa, and I was going to take that to um, to leave my job in Jersey. But um, I ended up turning it down, but I was like, I wanted to doing the work with the youth was part of that. So I went back to my community, and I said, hey um, – I can't take the job, but here's an idea I had for this piece that you wanted me to do to help the youth in the community. There had been some protests that had gone on, like between the time I was there and the time I left, um, and some other sort of, um, instability sort of with the youth population that the the kingdom that I was living in and the leadership wanted to address and sort of just being able to help them realize their opportunities and, the youth population, um, the youth unemployment rate is 50% in South Africa. So I came back with this proposal of this is what I want to do. And they were like, all right, you can pilot it. So, 
you know, I started working on that and then um, I got jobs to be able to start to help me transition into this new field of wanting to start a youth development organization. So I ended up working for George Washington University doing marketing, but that was a way to be in sort of the education field mm-hmm. and doing marketing. Um, and then from there, I sort of, I did consulting for about two years in the marketing capacity because I needed the flexibility once the organization got off the ground to be able to go back and forth to South Africa. Um, and then now I'm I'm at the National Peace Corps Association because it's our community. We appreciate, you know, projects that are third goal oriented. And so um, I'm the director of communications at National Peace Corps Association. But they um, and I talked, discussed it up front, but they have the flexibility to go over to South Africa and work virtually so I can still do the work that I'm doing there. Mm -hmm. And what is the name of your organization in South Africa? Oh, yeah. I forgot that part, didn't I? (laughs) So I started, um, the organization I started is called I Am We Are. And really sort of the mission statement for I Am We Are is to give youth the tools they need to confidently own their future. So bringing together everything that I talked about before, it starts with sort of who are you and self-identity. And I feel like that is something that a lot of our youth don't have of really just being able to confidently say, I am this or I want to be this um, and really own it. So we start with knowledge of self and self-efficacy, and then we use experiences and exposure to new people, places, things as a way to expand their thinking on who they can be. Um, and then from there, we use entrepreneurship as a tool to teach them how to own their future. And global awareness is one of the, uh, the other principles that's embedded in there. And so we're working across the African diaspora to what I wanted to do from Benin to bring together the youth and help them to see their commonalities um, as well as their differences. And what age group is this? Are these like high school students? Yes. So we're working with kids in the model of the program that we're using right now. We work with kids from grade eight to grade 11. So they come in as a cohort in grade eight and they stay together till they're in grade 11. And a South African model is they meet three times a year during camps that are about a week to two weeks long um, for four years. Wow. Yeah. So so when did this officially start? What what year did you start with this? I guess Cohort number one. So we started um, with the pilot group in 2015. And so they're actually finishing this year. Um, I'm about to leave actually on Wednesday to go to South Africa and do a camp with them. Um, And this will be like our last sort of formal camp. And then I go back in October and we're going to go on a trip to Cape Town. So this camp, they're actually raising money for their trip to go to Cape Town. And then that'll conclude our first cohort. Wow. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So now we've had sort of the the history, starting from uh, Benin all the way up to serving as a response volunteer in South Africa, and then the work you're continuing to do in South Africa, and then we touched a little bit of your current role in MPCA. Let's jump back to the very beginning, Benin. Do you have a favorite story from your time in, in Benin? Like when you, you know, talk talking about it, or if I was to to say, hand you a microphone and put you on a stage to 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 share something about your service, what comes to mind? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so many things that just went through my head just now. Um I, I, there's not a favorite memory. It's just all so much that if there was like a favorite memory at a certain angle. Um Oh, it's an impossible question. I said, yeah, I'm like I, I the thing the the sort just, of image. I just, can't, I just yeah. can't think of a better one. Yeah. So <laughs> I ask this to everybody. So if you can help me reformulate this question where it's not so amorphous, um I'm I'm up for it. 
if there, I guess, I don't know if there's one thing that I cherish most about that experience. Um, I, I'll tell you. Okay, my top five. There were like five thoughts that went through my head right now. Is that fair? Beautiful. Okay. First one, um, and I always tell people this story because I think it's hilarious and I think it just speaks to sort of the Peace Corps lifestyle. But we, my friend and I hitchhiked a ride from a music group called Magic System, which anybody <laughs> who's like a Francophone African, or there's like one song like that's really well known that they're like, they're a pretty famous group. They live in France now, but we hitchhike a ride on their tour bus to get back to the Capitol after attending their concert, which is hilarious to me, like in all of our like poor Peace Corps guard with these like fancy like musicians and they're like sure no problem which just speaks to the hospitality culture Uh, the other thing that went through my head really quickly was like when my mom came to visit and just that experience Mm -hmm. I was just writing an article recently um, for NPCA about families visiting and just that was awesome to be able to share that experience with my mom um, and her seeing my community and all the people that did all these dinners for her um I also was thinking about the reconciliation conference because we just said it. So I'll, I'll just say as a black American being again in the country where the slave trade, the transatlantic slave trade started and having, you know, people representing the entire diaspora being there for this conference. It was like a gospel concert and they sang lift every voice and sing. And those words of that song, like never meant more to me in that moment than they did now. It was, and it was beautiful. It was like a huge hall and to be in Africa and for them to be singing that song and just, it it just, I don't know. That's something I'll never forget. Um, And just sort of that experience of sort of coming full circle and being back there and being able to contribute um, and I, I think I'll never forget sort of the women, um, the, the lady that I work with to get the water and just some of the conversations I had with her. And she actually, when I left, she named her like her, she was pregnant when I left and she named her child like after me, um, or like the middle name has, has my name. But, um, I, I just, I, my, the, I just, there's sitting with her like multiple times, like whether it was when we were walking through the fields or just sitting at our house. Like, um, I don't know. I remember her. Um, yeah, I don't know. Those are, those are the things that came into my mind just, just now. So, mm-hmm. and then diving into a little bit more about serving as a black American in, in Benin, mm-hmm. in what ways, uh, was it more difficult for you as a volunteer being a black American? I think the thing that you don't think about um, in some regards is one, I, for me, I was somebody who like, it was my dream to travel to Africa. And, you know, it was a dream of mine to sort of reconnect with the continent and sort of learn more about sort of my roots and my history. And so that going to Benin and in that capacity um, of service was like, you know, out of this world dream. Um, but I think the thing I didn't think about was sort of I'm going as an American in an Amer- very American context and sort of the same challenges as a black American here in the States that you would experience from a racial perspective, that dichotomy is now with you. So I think sort of the challenges of sort of navigating race in the context of volunteers, I didn't think about. And that made it difficult of sort of having I'm, I'm a minority in a minority of a minority sort of. Does that make mm-hmm. sense of like 
you may not, there's relatability in some regard issues with sort of your peers as volunteers. There's a relatability issue sort of with your, you know, host country nationals and sort of sometimes just really being able to have somebody that you could share those experiences with that sort of got it and understood. Um, I think that that's a small challenge and you navigate around it and you learn, but, you know, I didn't come thinking I'd had to still explain like my hair or, you know, things like that, that was like, Oh, I'm still like, this is still here. <laughs> um, or, you know, other little issues, you know, um, but small challenge, but it's there. And I think the other side of it is, um, th- and I don't think I didn't honestly, as a light skinned black American, I didn't get this as much, but I think there is sort of a difference in how like white volunteers are treated mm-hmm. versus black volunteers and the respect that you're given Because I sort of look at like, you know, white people in some regards and sort of that from that colonialism of being more superior or having more being smart or being bright. So when I see you, I treat you one way versus how I treat sort of somebody who looks like me. Mm -hmm. And so I heard more of my peers talking about that than I experienced because I kind of was seen as like a Matisse uh, mixed race person more so. But it still was like a difference. There was like a deference to somebody who was... Um, white over you and they got treated you like if we were all in a group they got treated like you know if there was a rank like I definitely you know there's an American privilege you know so but Mm -hmm. in that American privilege the white volunteers got privilege over like me and having to like navigate that and feel sort of that difference um was was a small challenge but it's there it's just something that like is apparent Mm -hmm. and did being a black American help your service in any way I, I definitely think in summer there's a there's a back to relatability like it it felt like home like stuff like going to get my hair done like that felt the same sort of experience as when mm-hmm. I get my hair braided here so that um sitting there in the hair salon and those relationships that I formed because I got my hair done probably more so than I got it done even in the states I had relationships that were built that may have been different than my peers that weren't black um, or had hair texture like mine or for instance like you know the hand games and you know things that people were talking about it was my culture like it felt similar it was the same and so some of those things just made it like e- like in some regards easier to adjust to um in, in some regards, um, there, but I, I think there's actually for me what I experienced, like where I thought I was like, oh, I'm going. I hear people say, oh, I'm going to the motherland, you know. And I, when I first got to Benin, I was like, whoa, this is not what I was expecting. And I expected sort of this, you know, Alex Haley roots experience and like, oh, you know, angels singing. And I'm like, I'm home. And at first, I was like, you know, that shock of like, oh my gosh, like this is where I'm living. This isn't what I expect. This is mm-hmm. Africa. Um, and that, that honestly was my feeling at first and sort of having to sort of what I recognize and what I learned in that experience is I'm a black American. Like I, I'm very American, although my roots are African in origin and there is that connection, but so much of who I am is still American first and foremost. And that culturally, you know, is a little bit more I am. So that sort of those truisms were interesting to kind of learn of like, I don't know if this is making sense, but I'm mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to like phrase it. But um, it was something I had to like just 
it, it, I think it, it, it's a different dichotomy because you relate. And I can blend in a little bit more than maybe my peers. If I Actually, in South Africa, I can blend completely, which is nice. In Benin, not so much. I still got chased down the street by the kids and all that. But in South Africa, if I keep my mouth shut, I can, I can, I can pass, you know, in some regards for a South African or maybe at least somebody from Southern Africa, um, my height, things like that. But, it, it, you know, that I think is something that, like, my peers may not have had, especially, like, I remember being like uh, one of my friends or um, somebody in my stash who was Asian. She had a really hard challenge mm-hmm. in Benin because like the porn they watched in Benin was mostly all Chinese um, coming from China. So for her, she got harassed, sexually harassed a lot because they watched, you know, um, Asian porn. And that was something that I, I didn't think about because it wasn't part of my experience at all. So it was mm-hmm. interesting to hear her talk about how much she was harassed because of that. So I think those are just nuances that you you don't think about until you get there Mm -hmm. and was your initial reason for for going to the peace corps was that you wanted to have this experience because you also apply during a time when you you didn't get to pick so you didn't actively pick benin peace corps placed you in benin what what was the whole thought did you go into it saying i want to serve in africa like this is what i want to do like i'm a, a black american I want to go and I want to experience it and I want to have, you know, this sort of homecoming idea. It, was was that the driver for, for Peace Corps or was there maybe one of many drivers? I, I think one of many drivers, but it was one. I think overall it was sort of, I knew I wanted to get my MBA. I wanted professional experience. I wanted to travel. It was my dream from childhood and I didn't have the economics growing up to be able to do it. I traveled for the first time. Um internationally my senior year of college so going to and that was going to peace corps was like and part of that's why i think i had that culture shock because i hadn't traveled much um like that huge culture shock but um it was all of that and the ability like i wanted to work on my french i wanted to and 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 i wanted to travel to africa i wanted to have that connection and kind of do the research so so to be do all of that while also giving back to me was just like a phenomenal opportunity and peace corps has clearly Shaped, oh. shaped your life. Yeah. But wait, can I say when that's what I was going to say? I did, though, even though we couldn't select, I did say, like, if I wasn't going to Africa, I wasn't, like, I wasn't going. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I was very clear. I was like, I don't want to be cold. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wanted I wanted to go to Africa. And I had an interest in Francophone Africa, which was in need at the time. So mm-hmm. um, I, it may not have been Benin, but Senegal or one of the other West African countries was probably where I was going. So it worked out. Did you go in speaking French? Um, I had taken, I had some knowledge. Yeah. Okay. I would now, I wouldn't say I spoke French then I thought I did, but yeah. <laughs> and your life has clearly been defined by Peace Corps, uh, very different in times, uh, the work that you're currently doing. What are some of the lessons and things you learned from your time in Peace Corps? Yeah, I got stuck on the fact you said my life is clearly defined by Peace Corps. And I was like, I never would have thought about that, but I guess it is true. Yeah. Who I am? Yeah. Um, wait, what was your question? I got stuck there. <laughs> like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. I'm going to tell people that from now on. <laughs> uh, what are some of the lessons that you, you've learned that have, have shaped you? Yeah, I think one some in my staging for Benin, um, there was a, ben, a volunteer from Benin that spoke um, in D.C. And he said, be like a cork and float. And that's one of the things I've held on to. So like a cork from like a mm-hmm. wine bottle. Um, and his point was really like, 
you know, as Westerners, we always want to control everything. Um, and in this sort of world, you're not going to be able to do that. And you're going to have to be able to be adaptable and flexible and just go with the tide. And I think that's something, especially in like my corporate life, a lot of people are very rigid and they want it and they don't know how to be adaptable and flexible. And that's something I've, I've held on to. Um, I think the second thing is just the power of the power of seeing people. So in South Africa, in uh, Zulu, one of the, the way that you greet people is um, sawabona. And it means I see you, literally translated into I see you. And I think that just speaks to sort of the culture that I say hello and I greet you by recognizing sort of your humanity, that I see you. And I think that's something that I, that was evident in Benin as well. Like, you know, it used to drive me crazy when I first got there. Like people would come late to like the classes, but, you know, I'm a, 30 minutes, an hour late, but then they would greet everybody. And you're like, well, why wouldn't you just sit down? <laughs> like, Why are you going to completely interrupt everything I'm doing? But it's so important for me to recognize you as a person and to recognize everybody. Those days, um, you know, of just walking down, like I'm trying to get to wherever I'm going, but I need to stop and talk to every single person and sort of the negative impact if I didn't spend the time, no matter how much time I had, to talk to people no matter how long those conversations had to, you know, in South Africa, greetings, they don't, they may not have the long conversations like I had in Benin, um, in a more rural area, but ha- saying hi, saying hello, asking how people do. Um, even in, I send WhatsApp messages to people and I'll say like, you know, just whatever I need to say. And they're like, hello. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> but just the 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 power of seeing people and what that means. And that's, you know, that's something I've also held on to. Like at one point when I lived in New York, I had a project where I did these postcards. Um, there was a graffiti artist who had these, he was doing graffiti in, in Newark um, or Jersey City where it was all positive graffiti. And I, I got him to agree to let me take pictures of his artwork and I put it on postcards. And then we just put motivational little letters on the other side. And I used to just give it to strangers. And I would give them two cards. And, you know, there was a little note that was like something like, I saw somebody who I thought needed a smile and I gave him this card. I'm giving you one to do the same. And sort of just a way for people to see each other and to smile and say hi because we sit in this world where we don't, we don't even look at each other in the eye when we walk down the street. Mm-hmm. Like you purposely avoid like, eye contact. Like, like, like <laughs> from a distance, you get a scan of them and then you're just like, nope, nope. Yeah. Nope, nope. Like it's like, and it's this awkward thing. Yeah. And it's like the fact that we don't even look each other in the eye better yet, smile better yet, mm-hmm. say hello. So anybody that knows me, I'm always talking to people. <laughs> I'm always interacting with strangers and, um, that's what Peace Court taught me is sort of like, you know, just it, this, like heart to heart, like really reaching people and connecting with people in a very different way than what, I mean, I think that's always been part of who I was, but there's a understanding the strength and the power of that of just people and connection. Um, yeah. And the power of high and a smile. Mm-hmm. So those two things, be like a cork and float and just like, I see you. That's what Peace Court taught me. Nice. And then for those who are listening who are current volunteers or uh, those who are interested in the Peace Corps, do you have anything that you want them to know from from your service or reflecting back on Peace Corps, some words of sage wisdom uh, that you have to offer offer the listeners of the My Peace Corps Story podcast? Oh, wow. Um, 
such a deep, you know what? And I think it's hard for me to say that because I feel back to the people connection. It's hard to just mm. give like some like blanketed advice without really knowing sort of people's own experiences and what they need. Um, I mean, I can throw out a demographic for you. <laughs> you want to throw out a demographic? Yeah, okay, I have one idea, but throw out your demographic. Let's go. What, what are they going through? What's Give me the mindset. This is a marketer and me talking now. Okay. Well, I, I want you to speak to the uh, 22-year-old uh, black female interested in the Peace Corps who's never traveled. Oh, so me, my younger self. Um, yeah. You know what? I think, like, so almost speaking to, like, my younger self, um, I think one of the things that in our community that happens sometimes is, and, and it's not, it's so much more or less apparent than it is now when I was growing up. So it's awesome. But there's sort of this dichotomy of this is what is allowed and what is, you know, sort of this is, this is black, this is white, and this is what she can do. And I think just sort of getting outside of this box of this is what I can do as a black person. This is what I can do as a woman. This is what I can do as a 22 year old and just taking off and removing all barriers and just being open to just being like living out your truth, whatever that may be. And so I definitely remember, um, People in my community, whether it was my family or friends, that when I said I wanted to do Peace Corps had negative things to say, whether it was about Africa, whether it was about Peace Corps, whether it was about travel, et cetera, um, or just the experience. You know, I remember when I when I took a year off, you know, um, somebody when I took that year off to do response, somebody who's not my friend now. And this is why, because she's closed minded. um, I shouldn't say but in some regards, but she said to me, what do you think? You're like a rich white girl. Like you can't just take her, you know? And I'm like, your box is so small. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I think just getting like crushed that box, like, and it, and it's now I'm, it, it feels so good to see that like my younger cousins and, you know, the 22 year olds that I meet now, they don't have that same box that I grew up in that like, you know, for instance, you know, like skateboarding, that's not something that black people do. Playing tennis, that's not something that was still, that's when I grew up. Um, but I would say crush the box and just live your truth and just, um, take advantage of all these opportunities. And I think like Peace Corps for me, and I, when I speak at schools, I'm like, if this is an opportunity in some regards, just really, you know, yes, it's service. And I think, you know, people who do it and do it well, they are service oriented and they're doing it because they want to, they want to give. But I'm like, and we, when we look at it, like, I'm like, it's a, it's an opportunity to travel and see the world and experience it. And, and, and you, there's no other experience like Peace Corps where you'll be integrated truly in a community and get to be able to interact with people the level you do. There were people, there was an IFESH volunteer in my town in Benin, and her experiences were completely different than my experiences. You know, there was a German volunteer in my town. You know, he didn't understand little things of like, you know, the totems that were down the street. He didn't know what that was. And I explained it to him because he wasn't integrated into the community the way that I was. Um, and so Peace Corps, like there are tons of experiences where you can travel internationally. There's tons of experience where you can do service projects, but there's only one thing that I've ever seen that is unique and that gives you the same sort of level of impact and not cultural knowledge, um, and the ability to really navigate like Peace Corps does. Um, and so I just say, take advantage of it. And I think, um, I don't know what I, I'm sorry, you just hit me. Like it's so much flooding to me of like, and I think when I would say to anybody, once they're there, like truly explore and, 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 um, utilize that experience. I think, 
I don't know. For me, it, I was I hadn't traveled. I was so so much shyer than I am now. So much more sort of reserved than I am now. Like Peace Corps, really. Like when you have kids chasing you down the street and singing songs to you, and where everybody's always staring at you, no matter what you're doing, and you know, um, you get to learn to not be as shy anymore. You get a little get to be a little bit more confident when you're forced to be sort of the person that all of a sudden has to give speeches and things like that at events because you're the American that's visiting. Um, it breaks you and pulls you out of your shell. Um, but like utilize that experience and really truly use it to discover and try to interact with people that you would normally not interact with. And I think, you know, I think to some of the experiences that I talked about of feeling like not being able to relate to certain people, I, I think I closed off in some regards and could have reached out a little bit more to sort of learn more about some of the people in my Benin service. Um, and so I just, I would say explore even some of your fellow volunteers and get to know them and sort of understand them and connect with them just as much as you're trying to connect with the people in your host country. Mm-hmm. Excellent advice. I don't, okay, good. All right. I'm glad you think so. <laughs> and then looking forward, what are you excited about? Whether it be with NPCA, I am, we are. What are you, what are you excited about it's that you can let us know? I know there's maybe some, some, some projects that are, that are brewing that we, we uh, can't reveal yet, but what are, what are you excited about? Well, you know, I, I would say just I'm excited about life in general, first and foremost. We were talking earlier about I'm 40 and just what it feels like to be 40 and just in this point where I know who I am. I know what my truth is. I know what my purpose is. I know who I serve. And just, I know where I'm going with my life. And it just, I, I walk around and I'm always dancing down the street and people are like, why are you so happy? It's raining. And I'm like, because you understand the gift that you have that is life. And I don't think like we say that, but I don't think we truly understand like how, what that means and sort of the, the infinite sort of possibilities that had to happen for you and I to be sitting here at this moment with me in this house, you know, on this day for this to take place and all of the things that happened around that and just being like appreciative of that. So first and foremost, I'm just happy and and I just feel blessed. Um, I would say sort of what I'm looking forward to um, from an NPCA perspective is we're changing the game. Um, And, you know, I won't go into details on all of it, but um, I think a year from now, when people talk about National Peace Corps Association, when they say NPCA, they will have such a truer understanding of who we are as an organization and what we contribute and bring to our community. Um, As a marketer, our brand awareness is going to be so much higher. Um, And I think just really... You know, I'm I'm working on it from a communication perspective, making sure that we help people like you um, that are in our community doing great work. We help to amplify it so that more people know um, and just creating platforms to be able to do that. And so that makes me excited because it's supporting our community and, you know, coming back and working for MPCA has been phenomenal because I haven't been as much um, in the community. And now that I'm back in, I'm like, Peace Corps volunteers, I forgot. We are like the coolest people on earth and we're doing like some really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's not all international development, which, you know, for me, that's what I kind of, I had that, even that own, that stereotype sort of in my head in some regards. But we are out there making our imprint in sort of every echelon of society and we do it in such a unique way because of the experiences we had in our countries. And so that's phenomenal to be a part of that and to hear those stories, which is why I know you do what you do. 
Um, but I'd say from an I am, we are perspective. Oh my gosh. <laughs> ah! Okay. So I can share that stuff. That's not stuff, but like, I got a documentary, Tyler. I'm in a documentary. How cool is that? Like, so there's a, oh, I yelled. You got to turn it. Okay. <laughs> but like, there's a documentary coming out. We're showing it um, here in DC um, on July 27th. I don't know when this is going to air, but in a month from now. So I'm super mm-hmm. excited because I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm in a documentary about the program. And just every time I watch it, like it just brings tears to my eyes just to see the growth in the kids in the program and to see the impact that it's having. And I think- like between that documentary and even like um like I said I'm going back to South Africa next week for a camp, and I told the kids that the camp was for a week, and they're like, "No, Misha, that's not enough time. Like we need our holiday is three weeks." I was like, "All right, let's do two. And they're like, "No, Misha, that's not enough time. We need three. <laughs> and I was like, "Let me see what I can work out." And they were like, "I was like, well, we got to pay for food and transport." They're like, mm. "We'll walk and bring lunches if need be." Because one of the kids he walked he walked two hours to get to camp when he missed the transport one day. And they're like, we'll walk like Roy's song. And I was like, I don't know about that, but let me see. <laughs> but between that and like one of the facilitators, I have youth that are like in their early twenties that helped me. They're un- unemployed or underemployed that helped me with the work. One of them wrote, he sent me a voice note on WhatsApp the other day. And he's like, Misha, I just looked at the new blog and like, do you know what we're doing? I don't think you really understand. Like, I understand. He's like me and he's like one of the other facilitators, E2. He's like, we were just imagining, like, we can see it. We'll be in charge of the Banjana Lab, which is the region or district we're in. We'll be in charge of running I and we are in the Banjana Lab district. And there's going to be I and we are in Kenya. And the fact, like, he, you know, he went on and on for there. But the fact that the youth in my program are dreaming with me that we're co-creating this together, that they see it and feel it as much as I do. And they're actually telling me like Misha, no, I don't think you get it. Like the impact that you're really having. Like they, one of them wrote me a note. It's like, you're not listening to me. So let me write it down so you can truly understand what you're doing. Um, So that like just fuels me and is like, gets me so excited. So like seeing it in the documentary, hearing it in their voices from what they're saying and they're doing. And so um, I don't know, I'm just looking forward to, and the people could just keep coming like, and I just keep meeting people. Like, I, I'm going to this Ashoka conference when I get to South Africa, and I just got introduced to some really cool person that's going to be there. And I'm like, shut up. These are the people I get to know now. Like, and they're coming. And I'm not even, like, people are introducing me to them. So, like, the doors are, like, flinging open right now. And that's, I think, that's a lesson, too, is, like, you know, like, tipping point. It, it You know, it, and Will Smith talks about this, too. Um there's there's some quotes and videos of him out there, but it really the difference between people that make it and don't make it are the people that continue to do the work. And so like this for me, like doing I am, we are, um, like, I, I'll be honest, like, you know, I've made sacrifices, like my bills, I just like forgot about them. It's all right. They'll get paid one day. <laughs> like, you know, except for my house. I'm like, all right, that's good. But like, you know, I walked away from the career, this, this, this six figure career. I make considerably less, considerably less than what I made before. Um, whether it was in this job or the job before in order to give myself the allowances to go back and forth to South Africa. You know, I, I, my, my brother was sick and, but I, I, you know, so I had to be here in DC. But, you know, I figured out a way to be like, all right, well, I'm going to be at a hospital three days a week, have a full time job, run an organization, have Airbnb in my house to get some extra income in because I'm making less and do. And I still be a good friend and go to birthday parties and all of this. And like I look back now, I was like, what the heck was I doing? It's crazy to try to do all that stuff. But 
like, you know, between like in that instance, like my love for my brother and wanting to be there for him. And then also sort of my, my, my determination for this organization and really feeling it and seeing it. So it's like, this is what I got to do. So when you put in that time and effort, and I know you know what I'm talking about, it comes. And you just got to, you have to believe. And when you believe, other people believe. And it's just this ripple effect that is just like, I'm sitting here right now. And like, I, I feel like I'm just, I'm at the precipice of like my, my, the vision that I've been given. And like, when I first was given it, I was like, I, I didn't feel worthy of it. I didn't think I could possibly do it in some regards, but I did it because I knew it was bigger than me and that there was somebody that is waiting for me to be who I'm meant to be so they can be who they were meant to be. And that was enough for me to fuel me to be, get past my own doubts and fears and to persevere. So now I sit here sit here and we're about to finish the pilot. And I'm like, oh, this is real. Like I told somebody in my community list, I was like, this is actually working. He was like, yeah, Misha, we know. <laughs> so I'm like, that gets me so excited because I'm like, oh my gosh, like we're going to do this and we're going to do it big. And we're, we're going to have, like when we launch in 2020, we're going to launch, we're going to have a building in South Africa that my community has given me. I'm going to it's going to have all this stuff in it. We're going to have some free internet in there. We're going to have some people doing some co-working space. We're going to have some other programs. But I don't know how it's going to come. But between now and twenty, the beginning of 2020, it'll all come into fruition. We are going to launch within the eight schools in, in my community in South Africa. We are going to have affiliate programs in West Africa and in the States and probably more than one community in the States. Like, And that right there, the fact that like... I know that's going to happen without a shadow of a doubt. And I can already feel it coming into fruition. Just like, like, I I just feel like I just walk around with like pixie dust, like flowing down over me. Like, I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, it just, it, it, I I can't even put it in. I'm like, I'm so excited. Like, I want to get up and do a dance right now. I'm so excited. But yeah, that's what excites me. Cause I'm like, it's, it's real. It's coming. And it's, it's not just about sort of me or, you know, wanting to do this or one of mine. It's just like, I can see the kids, like I, the facility where I, where the building's going to be built when I saw it, like I saw the kids running around and like, I'm just so eager to see like the kids that are in the program now come back and them help. And even like some of the facilitators that are with me now, they were with me when I was in special Olympics. So like, it's just, and, and this is bigger than me. And I'm like the fact that like now, like the youth are telling me, this is what we're going to do. So they're going to take this and they're going to own it. And I'm going to sit back and just watch it all happen. And the fact that it's starting to like move like that and my community's like owning it and being a part of it. Like, I don't know. It's cool. It's, I don't know. I'm so excited. I couldn't tell. <laughs> I'll try to, I'll try to like bring it out a little bit more next time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll work yeah. on that. I'll work L- on liven that. up a little bit. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Well, Misha, I've had an, Absolute blast talking to you, learning learning about your actual service because we've been uh, interacting a, a lot as of late. And it's like I really don't know this woman that I've uh, <laughs> been working with. Uh, so it's great to to actually like sit down and, and talk with you and learn about your service, your background, sort of what has shaped you and turned you into this uh, amazing dynamic woman that you are. So thank you, so thank you, thank you for taking some time and talking with me. In closing. Do you have a favorite uh, local saying or phrase from your service that you would like to share? I'm going to go with Ubuntu, um, South Africa. Um, I am because we are um, human, human connect, interconnection, cooperativeness, but humanity just, you know, that again, remember, and I see you and to acknowledge it and the way that you live and you work and you interact with people. 
Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, Tyler. And there you have it, another episode of the My Peace Core Story podcast. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to the show so you get a new episode every single week. If you want to know my personal Peace Corps story, check out my book, Service Disrupted, available on Amazon. Until next time, remember, every volunteer has a story. What's yours? <laughs>